Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello and welcome to another mini episode of Dear Prudence. I am your host, Daniel Mallory Ortberg, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. This week, my guest is Melissa Dahl, a senior editor at The Cut, where she covers health, science, and psychology. She's also the author of Cringeworthy, A Theory of Awkwardness. And now, here's our first letter. So the subject of our next letter is Upcoming Wedding of My Niece and my service dog, which I realize now makes it sound like the niece and the service dog are getting married, but that's not the case. It's just about how the service dog relates to the upcoming wedding of the niece to a human being. Dear Prudence, I've been invited to my niece's wedding, which will be outdoors at a conservatory in Seattle. I live in Maryland. My service dog and I have been there for a couple of years. He is a certified mobility dog to assist with my balance and retrieve dropped items. We graduated our program in 2016. I have recently been told that he is not welcome at the ceremony by the groom. I have told the family that neither of us will attend, but now it has turned into a family feud where I am the main offender. I'm unsure how to react, but the father of the bride is my brother and quite wealthy. I am a retired teacher and decidedly not wealthy. I would like to just forego the whole thing, but I am afraid of causing hurt feelings that will not heal. Man, I really hate this for you. I mean, it just seems to me that like... If you need your service dog, you're a package deal. That's I, I. That just seems like the only reasonable thing to say to this. I just hate this for you. Um, yeah. Yeah. What What are your like, thoughts? Yeah. If If I were to read this with maximum compassion and assuming good faith on the part of the groom, maybe he's allergic to dogs. Yeah. Or you know, um, like for some reason, cannot be around them. But if that were the case, I would think it would be fairly easy for him to say, you know, here are the conditions that mean I can't be around a dog. I'm so sorry. I understand if that means that you can't come. This is just a really unfortunate coincidence where our two needs conflict with one another and we love and and care about you and are glad that you would have wanted to attend otherwise. So if that had been the case, that'd be one thing, but it doesn't sound like that's what's going on. Yeah, it sounds like a misunderstanding about what a service dog is and how important that is. It's not like she just wants to bring her pet, you know. Um, This is is (laughs) different from that. Um, It it seems to me like it's reasonable for you to skip the wedding. I mean, if if there's a way to just explain that, maybe write a letter or email or something to explain, like, this is why I need my service dog – I, I can't I can't go without him or her. Um, that's it. Uh, yeah, that seems reasonable. Yeah, yeah, and I just think um, to keep it pretty simple and to just you know uh, to to have to say like, hey, I, this isn't really something to argue about. I don't want to get into a fight. Um, I, I need to travel with the dog. If I can't do that, um, I, I will wish you all the best from afar. But me going without the dog's not an option. Um, and then if they want to keep fighting at that point to just lovingly say like, you know, we've already talked about this. This conversation's not going anywhere. I'm going to hang up the phone or not reply to this email or whatever boundary you need to draw from Maryland. I was a little curious about the bit about 
um, the father of the bride is my brother and he's really wealthy. And yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I assume that may have been part of at least some of the frustration on the letter writer's part of like, I, I'm being asked to travel to Seattle. Yeah. Um, and it's already pretty expensive. And then on top of that, like, maybe they are asking me to like, hire a dog sitter for during the ceremony but it's not even a matter of like i could just go to the ceremony comfortable like weddings involve dance floors mm-hmm. and moving from the ceremony to the reception and navigating big tables and um getting up and greeting the gra- like there's a lot of mobility involved it's not just like sitting down in one place for a couple of hours so you know i don't even think there's a compromise there that that they are asking of you it was just like stop having mobility issues for a couple of days <laughs> yeah oh is, my god get over it yeah um i would be curious to know what what the niece and maybe what the brother say or if she's talked to them because you know she says that the the, the groom has said the dog is not welcome and then she says it's kind of turned into this family feud but um i wonder if you know someone who she's close to in the family if she could just just talk to them um but I'm not sure if she has or not. It's hard to tell. Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is a good opportunity to avoid triangulation. Yeah. And so to speak directly to the bride and groom, whether that be call them, whether that be uh, write an email, I I would slightly lean towards calling unless you think that they're going to be very, very unreasonable. Yeah. Um, but I would lean towards calling and I would just say, hey, um, you know, I, I love you both so much. I'm so excited for your big day. Unfortunately, I won't be able to make it. I cannot travel without the dog, but I respect and understand your boundary. I hope you have a fabulous day. And then, you know, if you can afford to get something cheap off of the registry, you can do that. If they respond to that with anything other than total graciousness, at that point, I think you can just say this conversation's not productive. I'm going to hang up um, because that would be a generous thing for you to offer. And if they don't respond to that with generosity of their own, you're done. I like how you said before, um, just to say, I'm I'm not arguing about this or kind of I can't argue about this. This isn't kind of up for debate. It's It's me and my service dog or or I'm not going. And I mean, yeah, this is another one where I'm just like curious to hear from the other side. Like, is it a misunderstanding about what this what this dog is, what this dog is for her? Um, I I think she can feel okay to to forgo the whole thing as she phrases it. Yeah. And again, when you make this uh, when you initiate this conversation, your tone, I think, should be relatively brisk and cheerful. This is your niece and mm. and, and her husband to be. This isn't a sibling. This isn't a, a child. Yeah. Um, it doesn't sound like you're terribly close, either geographically or emotionally. So the thing is just, you know, you're not calling asking like a specific question or asking, can we make this work? Because you know directly from the groom that your dog can't be there. So all you're doing is saying, I understand that these are your limits for your wedding day. Totally get it. I won't be able to travel and be there, but I will send my regrets. I'm so excited for the both of you. Can't wait to see all the pictures. Something that's just, um, you know, clear that you're not asking anything of them. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not trying to guilt them into changing anything. Um, You're not looking into getting into a back and forth about whether or not you need a service dog, which you do. Um, And that's it. And then that way, if anybody else tries to come at you about this, you can just say, you know what? I've actually already spoken to the bride and groom and things are good there. So if they're happy, I'm happy. Now, if the conversation goes badly and you can't say if they're happy, I'm happy, then I think you can just say, it's not possible for me to travel without a service dog. This conversation is not productive. I got to go. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So those are your those are your options. That's it. There you go. 
Yeah. I hope that they enjoy their choices and all the things that their choices bring into yes, their lives. Yes, I know. Interesting choices. Ugh. I know. Okay, so this next one is nice and long and weird, and you get to answer it. Congratulations, or ask it, read it, rather, not answer it. I'm not going to make you go by yourself. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This one, there's just twists in this one. Yeah. Okay. um, Fed up with boyfriend and friend pretending to be lovers. I'm a cis white female dating a cis white male. We've been dating for about five years. My boyfriend has a friend, also a cis male, named Carl. They're pretty good friends despite only having known each other for two years. Carl, for the most part, is an okay person. Occasionally, he'll make a sexist joke in passing, and I'm comfortable speaking up when he does. The thing that really bothers me is Carl's tendency to joke about the wild sex he has with my boyfriend when they hang out one-on-one, or all of the gay stuff, his words, they do together. Or he'll tell my boyfriend, out of nowhere, give me a blowjob. I've noticed that Carl talks like this with his other male friends, but it's excessive with my boyfriend. You can't sit in a room with them without this banter ruling the conversation. My boyfriend never instigates these jokes, and while he is not as invested into the banter as Carl, he definitely plays along. I've told him that I think the banter is offensive and homophobic, but he replies that it's all in good fun, and that's just Carl for you. I'm not insecure about my boyfriend's sexuality, and I don't feel threatened by someone making sexual jokes with him, but I'm having a hard time identifying why these jokes bother me so much. I feel they're homophobic, but my boyfriend assures me they're not meant to be. My boyfriend has given me no other signs of homophobic behavior, and if this had been an issue when we started dating, I probably would have thought twice about pursuing this relationship. I worry that there's some deep, dark piece of me that's homophobic and bothered by the sight of my boyfriend pretending to be gay. It really frightens me that an intolerant part of me like this possibly exists. Am I in the right to be bothered by this? Are their jokes homophobic, or am I just a horrible person for being bothered by this as much as I am? I'd really like to identify why I'm so bothered by this so I can more effectively communicate it to my boyfriend or address a horrible and intolerant part of myself that I didn't even realize was there. Oh, goodness. I mean, I just, my initial take on this is you're not homophobic. These are just bad jokes. Like, this sounds like a horrible, horrible thing to be around. It 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 sounds sounds so annoying. (laughs) That stupid, like, Adam Sandler movie in, like, 2006 or whatever when, like, straight guys pretending to be gay was the height of comedy. I know. Yeah. Um, it feels very, like, um, I was thinking, actually, um, like, I recently started rewatching Friends and, like, every other joke is like, oh, Chandler might be gay. And it's like, it's just, okay. Mm-hmm. It's like very 90s yeah, kind of very humor. Retro. Very retro. Yeah. And just. Dumb. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're here trying to talk about cisness and, like, have some sort of relationship to, like, gender identity and and how that influences your relationship. And he's out in 1997 being like, dude, you're gay. Oh, dude, you're gay. Well, you know how I know you're gay? Like, oh, my God, this is so silly. Um, I think that you you seem like such a thoughtful person. And and I think that you need I I would say maybe go a little easier on yourself. Um, I, 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 I don't get I don't get any homophobia from this i get uh, it's this just seems intolerable to be around just annoying um what do you think yeah i mean the the thing about like am i a horrible person for being bothered by this i think it would feel pretty understandable if you were bothered by anyone who made a lot of jokes about having sex with your boyfriend well yeah yeah. um do you know what i mean like it's 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 the thing that bothers you, among other things, is that this person is joking about having sex with your boyfriend, um, which would be cheating on you. And yeah. obviously, that's not like a hilarious... You know what I mean? Like, people in yeah. happy relationships don't often go around being like, ha, 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 I cheated on you today, <laughs> repeatedly to one another. Right. It's not funny. No. 
So oh my I, I just I, I could not be less impressed with your boyfriend. And I'm I'm sorry that you are trapped in this particular form of heterosexuality right now. Um because like that whole like that's just Carl for you, that like stereotypically male response of like passivity and like what are you gonna do? And it's like, I don't know, say three words. Yeah. You know? Like Oh, if only if only it were possible to not let Carl make all the jokes that he wants. But unfortunately, you know, he is Carl. And uh, if you have a friend named Carl, he gets to make whatever. Like, it's just so childish of like, couldn't possibly say not cool, bro. You know, like, come on, man. Or just like not funny, bro. Like you're boring me, bro. Like find another joke, bro. I don't, I don't right. Know. It's the same joke. It's <laughs> always on the exact same level. The joke is always, wouldn't it be hilarious if a man blew another man? Right. Like that's not funny. <laughs> that's my problem with this. Is just these are bad jokes. Like, oh my yeah. gosh. Um, I mean, I wonder if when she's there. I, I don't know if she how much she needs to or wants to insert herself into this, but it, but if if she's there when they're doing these jokes, could she just say something like, "Now, now, why is that funny to you?" You know, I wonder. I wonder what his response to that yeah would be. Yeah, can you explain this one to me? Yeah, 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 and just that stuff about like. So this thing is like you two have been together for five years. He met Carl two years ago. Yeah. You now can't sit in a room with the two of them, not without it coming up once or twice, but this banter, quote, rules the conversation. Oh, my God. So, you know, like to get to say to your boyfriend, like, hey, when I met you, it didn't seem necessary to your friendships that you two sit in a room joking about how hilarious it would be if the two of you blew each other. Can you explain to me what this does for you? Like, it's clearly very, very important to you. Um, because you've decided not to say or do anything about it. So I- I'm just obviously missing something here. Can you explain to me what you get out of it, why it's so meaningful to you, um, why you enjoy the same joke day after day? Because I'm genuinely stumped. I have thought about it, and I have just reached my limit of my imagination. What are you getting out of this? And I I, I think his response is going to be very resistant at first and very like, gee, I don't know. Don't make me think about the things I do or say. That's impossible. <laughs> it's just Carl being Carl. He's like a mountain that tells homophobic jokes and you just have to accept the beauty of nature. Um, but don't let him infantilize himself out of being accountable for being a human being. And, and you know, like, you say that if this had been an issue when we started dating, I probably would have thought twice about pursuing the relationship. Give yourself the gift of thinking twice now. I think Sometimes just like it's a lot harder to fire people once they do things that you would have never hired them over. Once you've been in a relationship for a couple of years, it can sometimes feel like, well, I know them and I care about them and we have a history. So in order for them to do something that would make me think, I'm not impressed with your character or your choices or or even just like your commitment to something that I find so stupid and boring is a turnoff. Yeah. Just because you've been together for a couple of years does not mean that that suddenly doesn't matter. So – let this potentially be, if not a deal breaker, something that factors into whether or not you continue to date this guy. And, you know, ask yourself, if I met him today, the way that he acts right now, am I impressed? Do I give him a second date? And um, would I like to maybe reconsider giving him a sixth year in this relationship? Wow. You have just blown my mind, actually, I hope you have blown the letter writer's mind. Of course, of course, that's, that's an option. Oh, my gosh. I was th- reading this thinking like, well, you know, I mean, if they just started dating, I'd be like, dump that guy. But five years, my God. But no, of course, it's still an option. Of course, that's still an option. This this does say just very 
at least just not attractive things about who he is. And of course, it's an option not to give him a sixth year. Heck, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, you- like, again, not that you should always think of your relationships from a business perspective, but to think of it as like, do I want to renew my contract with this guy for another year? Like, what's he bringing to this relationship that's doing something for me? And that's not to say that everyone in a relationship has to act like it's a first date constantly or that you can't be generous or patient or give somebody time or accept somebody's faults. I just think you seem to be doing a lot in terms of – um extending to him the benefit of the doubt, imagining what his experience might be like, uh, double, triple, quadruple checking yourself for any secret latent homophobia you might not yet have examined. And it does not sound like he is doing anywhere near the level of emotional work in response to you. So I guess I would also say, do you want to be in a kind of relationship where you spend a lot of time thinking about him and how you two relate to each other and what you can do better? And he just kind of hangs out on the level of der her blowjobs? I know. I mean, and he's saying, well, that's just Carl for you. And I don't I don't want her to end up saying like, well, that's just my boyfriend for you. He just like likes these mm-hmm. jokes, you know, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's a great point. And then I think too, just like, you know, I, I feel they're homophobic, but my boyfriend assures me they're not meant to be. Oh, OK, <laughs> then. Well, if you don't think they're homophobic, then that's just like, you know, I mean. We have Just the authority imagine, of like, Carl here, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if you had a, a gay friend that you brought around and Carl and your boyfriend were there and they started doing that, would you feel real great explaining to your friend, like, don't worry, I asked and they checked and they made sure it wasn't homophobic? <laughs> How, like, would you feel proud or or yeah. excited for this person to get to meet your boyfriend? Would you feel like, man, I've really got somebody. I've got somebody who's really um, somebody that I can bring into a lot of different social situations and I know that he's thoughtful, mm-hmm. um, he's interesting, he's a good listener, he reads other people well, he cares about their comfort, their interest in the conversation, um, or am I dating like a dumb character from an old Adam Sandler movie who I'm sure is like great in his own ways but, you know, yeah. that doesn't need to be the only thing you think about here. I know. And you're right that the end of this letter just kind of ends in this like spiral about like I'm just so worried about like am I a horrible person, you know. I I I think I don't know you, but you seem you seem so thoughtful and you seem you seem okay. Let's let's point some of this worry onto onto Mr. Boyfriend. Um Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like does this mean I'm secretly a monster? No. no. Your boyfriend's doing something shitty. Yeah. Um, but because he says, don't worry, I checked. It's not shitty. <laughs> um, you've decided that that must mean it's your fault. Uh, he is, in fact, just wrong. Uh, it is his fault. He is doing something that is both homophobic and dull. Um, and dull. it's aggressively dull. And it's a yes. sort of dullness that implicates you um, and that shuts down other kinds of conversation. And this is where I like. I think there's a real like value to politeness as a character asset. Like mm-hmm. politeness isn't just about robotic Uh, adherence to rules of etiquette it's about creating space where other people feel welcomed where they feel held where they feel engaged where they feel interested where they feel like there's room for them to introduce new topics of conversation Mm -hmm. and what he is doing in this is putting up a wall in between him and everyone else who isn't carl yes yeah I, i just think that that is it sounds unbelievably boring it sounds unbelievably stupid and it just sounds like a real fucking waste of your time. And I think you can do better. I really think you can do better. I do, too. I do, too. It's five years, but it doesn't have to be six. 
That's our mini episode of Dear Prudence for this week. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. As always, if you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening. 